Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley, a beloved teacher of the Course, who has helped thousands learn how to express their beliefs from moment to moment in their everyday lives. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Here we go. I'm so happy to be with you. Greetings from Germany. I'm actually doing a pre-record today because at the time of our broadcast, when I normally would record live, I will be in a plane and it will not be possible uh, because I am on my way to Australia. So very excited. First trip down under very, very excited. People have been asking me to come to Australia for years. I'm finally going. Yay! <laughs> so, if you're in Australia, I hope I get to see you this week. All the details are at jenniferhadley.com on the events page. And, without further ado, let us dive into a prayer here. Hmm, let's take that breath of love and gratitude with our hand on our heart. So grateful, so thankful that love is all that there is. Love is all that we are. There's nothing else. We're allowing any idea that there's something else or something else has power to fall away, dissolve away, resolve away, peel away. We're done with it. Yeah. Who <laughs> We're grateful and thankful to allow the Holy Spirit to correct our mind for us. We're giving the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit. We're giving the figuring out how to the Holy Spirit. We're allowing for the correction to take place. And we rejoice to be in our right mind now and forevermore. We share our beautiful thoughts of love and light with everyone because we're one with them. We share our healing with everyone. We share our awakening with everyone. And we rejoice to know that it's done. In gratitude, we allow the healing to fully be complete. And so it is. Amen. 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 Hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So our topic today, I just love correction made easy. <laughs> and I, I, gosh, I love the way spirit works. I love the way spirit moves through all of us. I am so, so, so grateful. And here's why. So you may or may not realize that I have a couple of classes that I teach on an ongoing basis. So I have my foundational boot camp class. It's called Finding Freedom. And it's uh, a seven-week boot camp. And you can take as long as you like to do it. But I offer it in seven-week increments. And I offer it completely online. And so uh, I do have a weekly call where you can ask me any question live. But all the, the main classes are recorded. There's a workbook. There's 50 videos. That's my Finding Freedom Boot Camp. And you can enroll today if you like. And then um, 
I have my Masterful Living course. I have four section, uh, four sections of Masterful Living. We have people who've been in Masterful Living every year for many years now, and uh, the curriculum keeps deepening and deepening as it's given to me. I share it, and I have my Masterful Living. Uh, initial year, uh, which there's no requirement to take future years. People just didn't want to didn't want to stop. So I said, okay, I guess I'll figure out another year's curriculum. Anyway, so Masterful Living is my year-long course, which starts in January, and that's a live class we do almost every week. So um, uh, you can't join that now. You have to wait till January, but you could take Finding Freedom now. Anyway, I was teaching Masterful Living courses over the weekend. And as I was teaching, God gave me the most beautiful example, and it has just lit me up. I just, I laugh about it. It's um, so beautiful, because I was teaching about how in the Course, it tells us, if we're willing, we can give all the correction, all the consequences to the Holy Spirit for healing, if we wish. And it says it over and over and over again in so many different ways, in so many different places. And yet, we just don't believe it. We just find it impossible. And we find it impossible in part because we have a difficult time when we're identified with the ego. It seems very difficult to simply forgive. Right? Uh, I mean, I, I've been teaching forgiveness now for 16 years, and one of the things that always happens when I teach a forgiveness workshop is people say, okay, Jennifer, I need your help with this. I, I need your help because I had an abortion so many years ago and I just can't forgive myself. Or I had to put my baby up for adoption and I just can't give, forgive myself. Or my father raped me and I just can't get, forgive my father. I, I keep saying, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. These things, I don't want to think about them anymore. I am not interested at all in thinking about them anymore. And I say I have forgiven, and I believe I have forgiven, but I cannot stop thinking about them, harboring guilt and resentment, blame and shame. It goes on and on. It seems like no matter what I do, I just cannot seem to get over it. Why can't I get over it? Well, first of all, if that's you, and listening to this radio show doesn't feel like it's enough for you, and you'd like to do some practical work, I actually have a workshop called How to Get Over It, and you can download that totally for free at jenniferhadley.com, right there on the home page. And here's the thing why we can't get over it. It's because true forgiveness really means relinquishing the meaning you made of it. It means relinquishing your opinions, your judgments, your interpretation. And we say, I forgive, but we're not relinquishing the interpretation and the meaning that we've made of it. And that's why it seems so hard. That's the whole thing right there in a nutshell. What unforgiveness is, is treasuring those judgments that are the interpretation and the meaning that we've made of it. That's what unforgiveness actually is. 
Now, when we're in unforgiveness like that, we're in the guilt, blame, shame, regret, and resentment, that whirlpool of negativity that is so debilitating, there's a way out. And it's very clearly stated at the end of chapter 5. You may have heard me say it many times before. It's the correction of all the consequences and the release. And I've started calling this the parent's prayer because I have talked with so many parents who have regret and guilt about the past. Now, Jesus tells us what to do with that. And he tells us to recognize that when we're feeling that guilt, regret, resentment, shame, and blame about the past, it's going to be brought to our attention by our fear, our pain, our upset, our irritation, anything that we're feeling that is bothersome, that we don't like it. And Jesus says, you can ask me, this is in the fear and conflict section in chapter 2, he says, you can ask me to remove from you that experience of fear, but if I did, you'd never wake up. You'd be trapped in time and space forever. It is the discomfort that you feel when you're out of alignment with your higher self that actually propels you to look for the root cause, which is your unforgiveness, and to relinquish it to me, to the Holy Spirit, for healing. So that's my paraphrasing what he says in the fear and conflict section in chapter 2. Now at the end of chapter 5, he talks about making uh, becoming aware that you're upset and then making the decision to release the cause of the upset. He says... The first step in the undoing is to recognize that you actively decided wrongly, but can as actively decide otherwise. Be very firm with yourself in this and keep yourself fully aware that the undoing process, which does not come from you, is nevertheless within you because God placed it there. Your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. Say this to yourself as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. And here's what you say. You say, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God, for me. So, the undoing process begins with us going to In our mind, the point at which the wrong decision was made. So the wrong decision is a judgment. It's an attack thought. Could be directed at you, could be directed at someone else. If you feel guilty, ashamed, regretful, it's going to be an attack thought directed towards you. If it's resentment, it's going to be somebody else. Blame somebody else. 
So you go back to that thought and you say, ah, this is the point at which the error was made. I'm giving it over to the Holy Spirit so that I can have peace. Now, sometimes we can't really identify that thought. It's hard to go back sometimes. It seems like it's hard to go back sometimes to the point where the error is made. But it's not, actually. Because we don't have to really go back in time and space, and we don't have to rewind our mind. We really can just go to that point where we're not feeling peaceful and just identify it. Ah, this is the place in my heart where something is happening. You know, it's known or unknown. There's something something is causing this irritation, this frustration, this sadness, this depression, this whatever. And I'm giving it to you, Holy Spirit. Whatever the root causes are, I'm giving it to you. And I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I let him. I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. Now for the ego, the idea of allowing the Holy Spirit to decide for me, that would be just absurd or completely unthinkable to the ego. So we have to say to the ego, look, I'm tired of suffering. You're not in charge anymore because you don't know how to bring peace and happiness. Holy Spirit does. You had your chance. It didn't work. Now I'm putting the Holy Spirit in charge. And actively give all the consequences of whatever choice you made, known or unknown, that seems to be causing distress, upheaval, pain, suffering, financial loss, whatever it is. You don't have to really identify it. You don't have to write a book about it. You can give it to the Holy Spirit. And what excited me so much in the Masterful Living class this weekend is something came through that's never come through before. And uh, it was so beautiful. And it's auto-correction. So I work on the computer a lot, as you might imagine, because I have a, a global online ministry. And so I'm working on the computer, uh, writing my daily inspiration and creating classes and sending emails and doing a lot of things everybody else does on a computer. Recording prayers, I, I do all kinds of things on my computer. So one of the things is almost every program that I use has auto-correction in text. So... When I start uh, writing words and I make misspellings or typos or whatever it is, it will auto-correct. And more often than not, actually, I find that to be a little bit of a pain in the butt because <laughs> it, it makes words that I don't really wish to make. But um, And then I have to correct the auto-corrector. But anyway, <laughs> be that as it may, um, it's actually very helpful in pointing out where I've misspelled something or made up a new word or things like that, because I do that sometimes. And now, this is a very different way of typing and communicating than when I learned to type. So I learned to type when I was in high school, I think in ninth grade or something. I learned to type, and I learned to type on a non-electric typewriter. 
and then I moved to an electric typewriter, and then I moved to a selectric typewriter, and then the selectric typewriters that were correctable. So when I learned to type, for those of you who are considerably younger than me, if you made an error, you had a couple of choices. One, you could throw away the piece of paper, you could start it again. Uh, certain kinds of ink on certain kinds of paper were erasable. That was a possibility. You could erase it and uh, start again. And it often was that when you tried to erase something, if you weren't super careful, the paper would slip and slide a little bit. And then the alignment uh, plus the smudge marks from the erasing would all give telltale signs that you were correcting things. And then they had uh, liquid paper. Liquid paper was so much fun. You know, painting that liquid white out or liquid paper onto your paper. And of course, it never matched the color, so it was always obvious that you had painted that stuff on it and you were typing over it. And then you had to let it dry, and sometimes you're impatient, you didn't want to let it dry, it created all those issues. And then there was the, um, I forget what this stuff is called, the white sheets, and you would stick it in there and you would type over the letter, you would type it again, and it would, um, sometimes there were ones that would lift it off, and then ones that would just type specifically over it, that was a little better than liquid paper. And then of course there was white tape, and you could put that white tape down and type over it. So when I first started out, being an administrative assistant, uh, these were all my options. And then the Selectric typewriter came along, uh, which you could type so much faster on. And uh, and then the correcting one, where you could just hit the button and it would back up, I think up to three letters, or I can't remember now, and it would automatically um, correct those letters. It would, it would remove them or... Uh, cover them, and then you could type again. So it was all a lot more laborious, a lot more laborious. And for someone like me, I typed so fast, it really slowed me down. And um, what I realize is all those ways of working in the world of form to correct things are the things that we often tend to do in the world of form in order to make things better or correct things. But we don't have to do any of that. We can let Holy Spirit be the auto-corrector. And that's what Jesus is saying here. The Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I let him. Why wouldn't we let the Holy Spirit undo all the consequences of our wrong decisions? All the decisions that we've made to judge, to complain, to attack. As soon as we recognize, oh, I was just attacking my neighbor, just attacking my friend, just attacking my sweetheart. Oh, I was falling into complaining. I was blaming. Oh boy, autocorrection. Holy Spirit, please auto-correct all the consequences. I'm not interested in attacking, blaming, shaming. I'm not interested in feeling guilty. I'm not interested in any of these consequences anymore. I'm truly done with them. Will you please auto-correct in all directions of time and space? Now that's 
that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit can't do it if we don't allow it. And that's the thing. We don't allow it. But we can. We really, really can. We can change our mind and we can allow for the correction. And uh, there's so many examples of Jesus trying to get us to under examples of Jesus. God's not holding anything against us. Why would God hold anything against us? Unless we are thinking this world is real. Remember, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. So we're making the illusion real when we're thinking that God's holding things against us. Now, as I was saying before, at the end of chapter 16, it's my page 344, and uh, it's paragraph 15. It says, The core of the separation illusion lies simply in the fantasy of destruction of love's meaning. And unless love's meaning is restored to you, you cannot know yourself who share the meaning. Separation is only the decision not to know yourself. This whole thought system is a carefully contrived learning experience designed to lead away from truth and into fantasy. Yet for every learning that would hurt you, God offers you correction and complete escape from all its consequences. The decision whether or not to listen to this course and follow it is but the choice between truth and illusion. For here is the truth, separated from illusion and not confused with it at all. How simple does the choice become when it is perceived as only what it is. For only fantasies make confusion in choosing possible, and they are totally unreal. This year is thus the time to make the easiest decision that ever confronted you, and also the only one. You will cross the bridge into reality simply because you will recognize that God is on the other side, and nothing at all is here. It is impossible not to make the natural decision as this is realized. So, when we're clinging to the idea that something bad happened, something wrong happened, something should be punished, we should be punished, someone should be punished, we can immediately give all the correction, all the consequences to the Holy Spirit. God offers you correction and complete escape from all the consequences. So it's not that we live in a way that's destructive and then say, oh, I'm giving all the consequences to God. It's we don't need to be the jailer. We don't need to be the punisher. So we can learn from every unloving choice we make, and that's what a mistake is. It's an unloving choice. We can make uh, unloving choices, recognize, oh, gee, I just made an unloving choice. Okay, I'm giving that to the Holy Spirit for correction. It's for my learning. I'm willing to learn from it. 
I'm grateful to be a happy learner. I don't have to be a sinful, punished, tortured learner. The unhappy learner is not my way. And the thing is about this auto-correction, I was given this before I came to A Course in Miracles and I began to practice it. And that's, I think, part of what led me to A Course in Miracles was all the validation that what I was doing was the way. So I started doing this auto-correction, just giving it to God, giving it to the higher self, giving it to the Holy Spirit. I wasn't thinking Holy Spirit back then. I was thinking I am presence, higher self, guardian angel, and Jesus, ascended masters, angels, company of heaven. And I started to notice that the consequences were indeed disappearing. I was noticing that I wasn't feeling guilty and ashamed, and I wasn't feeling filled with blame and regret and resentment anymore. And I was experiencing a heck of a lot more ease and grace. And day after day, I began to realize this is really working. This is really working. And so I'm so happy that now I see this other, you could call it a metaphor or an example in the world of the old laborious way was we had to go through penance and uh, we had to say Hail Marys and do all kinds of things in order to get relief from our negative judgments and opinions. Just like before we had to go through all this labor to correct our words on the page. But now we have autocorrect, we get this help uh, when we're typing, and if we want to delete the whole paragraph, bam, we can do it. If we want to say, oh, I want that back, bam. It's so much easier now to communicate clearly and correctly, meaning with love, with compassion, with tenderness. And so it's a, a an example in the world of form of spirit supporting us, making our life easier. So the same thing is happening in our mind. The auto-correction. Let the Holy Spirit come in and be the auto-corrector in your mind. <laughs> this is correction made easy. So we're continuing on with this theme. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're the live in the love, we're walking the talk, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application as we return to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Ah, welcome back. I'm so happy to be 
with you our topic this week, Correction Made Easy, Forgiveness Made Easy. Indeed, it's happening now. <laughs> so grateful that this is so, so grateful indeed. Hmm. So, looking at the clear instructions of Jesus in A Course in Miracles, we are blessed. <laughs> Indeed, we are extremely blessed to have this clear instruction. So, going to chapter 9, chapter 9, section 3. Chapter 9 is, um, uh, section 3 rather, is the correction of error. And the entire section is so helpful to us. I'm going to jump to uh, paragraph 7. Your brother's errors are not of him any more than yours are of you. Accept your brother's errors as real and you have attacked yourself. Now why would you attack yourself if you're looking at your brother's errors and saying they're real? Because there's only one. It's just that simple. Now, it says, If you would find your way and keep it, see only truth beside you, for you walk together with your brother. The Holy Spirit in you forgives all things in you and in your brother. Your brother's errors are forgiven with yours. Atonement is no more separate than love. Atonement cannot be separate because it comes from love. Any attempt you make to correct a brother means that you believe correction by you is possible. And this can only be the arrogance of the ego. Correction is of God who does not know of arrogance. So this is one of the things for many of us we're correcting our brother's errors. We're looking at them all the time and saying, Oh, they should be different. Oh, that's not right. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> again and again and again. And so, why not give all the correction to the Holy Spirit? This is one of the things, this is one of the lessons I'm really refining right now. Because my ego has a tendency to find fault with everything. Yeah, it really does. And so it's been a huge relief for me over the many years to be able to let so much of that go. Just let it be over. Not have to think about it anymore. Not be responsible for correcting everyone's errors anymore. It's such a relief. There's so much better uses of my time. I can be loving if I'm not correcting other people's errors and not trying to tell them what they should do. This is one of the things that always comes up in my classes, my counseling sessions, my workshops, is people get in trouble in their relationships because they're trying to correct other people and tell them what they should or shouldn't do. We can begin to see that when we're correcting other people's errors all the time, we're not trusting in God. One of the things that can be really helpful is to share things that we've learned, but not to be critical about what other people are doing. And this especially works well with children. 
can I show you a way that really worked for me rather than don't do it that way that's not good can I share you a show with you a way that really worked for me correction is of God who does not know of arrogance now in the paragraph right before it says and this is again chapter 9 section 3 paragraph 6 it says you cannot correct yourself what you cannot correct yourself is it possible then for you to correct another yet you can see him truly because it is possible for you to see yourself truly it is not up to you to change your brother but merely to accept him as he is his errors do not come from truth that is in him excuse me his errors do not come from the truth that is in him and only this truth is yours your brother's errors cannot change this and can have no effect at all on the truth in you to perceive errors in anyone and to react to them as if they were real is to make them real to you you will not escape paying the price for this not because you're being punished for it but because you're following the wrong guide and will therefore lose your way okay now this really applies to people who are challenged by loved ones who are making choices that you think are going to hurt them so it's not that you're completely silent right it's not that the bus is coming your loved one is stepping off the curb you can see that the person your loved one's going to get hit by the bus and you don't say anything it's not that you don't say hey watch out that bus is coming or grab them and pull them from avoiding the bus but you would only do that if you're motivated by love so if someone is investing their money in something that you don't think is very wise you can say you know I'm I don't really have a good feeling about that but I just want you to know I support you in making the decisions that support you living a great life and I trust all will go well for you I have faith in your ability to make good decisions but you don't have to say that's a terrible idea that's not helpful a lot of times when you say to somebody that's a terrible idea or you shouldn't do that or I wouldn't do that if I were you it will strengthen their ego to say the heck with you F you I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do I used to operate from that all the time as soon as somebody said don't do it I was gonna do go do it you're not the boss of me I'm the boss of me I don't have to listen to you you're nothing I'm something so I was in reaction a lot of the time so I know a lot about this we can look at our loved ones and say the wisdom the intelligence of the Holy Spirit is in them just as it is in me and the wisdom in me does not need to criticize the wisdom in them sometimes we're guided to say something sometimes we're not sometimes it's a, it's a seemingly small thing and we can say let them have their own learning experience no harm can come 
No harm can come. Not really. A lot of times people are trying to save other people from having learning, as though that's helpful. But it's not that helpful a lot of the time. Because people don't really learn just because we tell them something. How many times have we told somebody, that's not a good way to go, I've learned because I did it that way, and they need to find out from themselves. That's from their own experience. That's life. That's how we are. Now, the highest path of learning is to be the happy learner and to learn directly from the Holy Spirit. So when we can see ourselves doing that, we can see others doing that, then we can be truly helpful. So it says here, you cannot correct yourself. Is it possible then for you to correct another? Now, in the, the paragraph before this is, is one that it sometimes comes up with some uh, real questions. And uh, it's, when a brother behaves insanely, you can heal him only by perceiving the sanity in him. If you perceive his errors and accept them, you are accepting yours. If you want to give yours over to the Holy Spirit, you must do this with his errors. Unless this becomes the one way in which you handle all errors, you cannot understand how all errors are undone. How is this different from telling you that what you teach, you learn? Your brother is as right as you are. And if you think he is wrong, you are condemning yourself. Wow! When a brother behaves insanely, you can heal him only by perceiving the sanity in him. So let's say you have a loved one that's a drug addict. That's the appearance. Of course, their true identity is not a drug addict. Their true identity is the Son of God, the Christ. But the appearance is there's an addiction to drugs. And that can appear pretty insane. You can heal him only by perceiving the sanity in him. If you perceive his errors and accept them, when we look at the, the, the errors, we perceive the errors, we say, ah, these errors are real, these errors are a problem, he needs fixing, he needs, uh, he's bad, he's wrong, he's got a problem. That's perceiving the sanity, the insanity. And the correction is to perceive the sanity in him. Now that might be very challenging and that might be exactly why it's happening to you to challenge your mind to know the truth. So in that instance, the thing to do is to see clearly only the truth. That this is an illusion and that he is perfect, whole, and free. Already as holy as holy can be. And not to make the error real. Unless this becomes the one way in, this, in which you handle all errors, you cannot understand how all errors are undone. 
Now, why wouldn't we want to give all the consequences and all the undoing to the Holy Spirit? Why would we want to keep our hands on it? Why would we want to keep laboring in vain? That's insanity. That's craziness. But that's what we're talking about here. That's exactly what we're talking about here. You can see that this is challenging. But if we are committed to it, our whole life will change and will bring so much benefit to everyone around us. Now I'm going to back up another paragraph where it says, actually I'm going to back up two paragraphs here. Again, I'm in chapter 9, section 3, the correction of error. So paragraph 3, my page 167, if you point out the errors of your brother's ego, you must be seeing through your errors. Because the Holy Spirit does not perceive his errors. This must be true, since there is no communication between the ego and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can't even see the error. The Holy Spirit only sees the perfection. So there must be a perfection in somebody's experience of drug addiction, or the Holy Spirit would be fooled. So it says, the ego makes no sense, and the Holy Spirit does not attempt to understand anything that arises from it. Since the Holy Spirit does not understand it, the Holy Spirit does not judge it, knowing that nothing the ego makes means anything. Now how can it mean nothing that someone is uh, in an experience of drug addiction? How can it mean nothing? See, this is, this is where we see our attachment to the meaning we're making of everything. This is where we see our attachment to our interpretations. And this is where we see our in- attachment to the thoughts of separation. In the very next paragraph, it says, When you react at all to errors, you are not listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has merely disregarded the errors. And if you attend to them, you are not hearing the Holy Spirit. If you do not hear the Holy Spirit, you are listening to your ego and making as little sense as the brother whose errors you perceive. This cannot be correction. Yet it is more than merely a lack of correction for your brother. It is the giving up of correction in yourself. So let's give up all correction in ourself. And that's that's a path of true forgiveness. True forgiveness is not perceiving the error in the first place. That's true forgiveness. Not making the error real. And that's why I call forgiveness non-judgment. Can you see how in any area of your life that's bothering you, what someone else is doing, you're making their errors real. You're putting the ego in charge. Isn't this the habit that we are looking to dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause so we never experience it again? Jump back again to the section on cause and effect in chapter 2. It's section 7. 
where it talks about fear. And Jesus says in paragraph 2, I cannot let you leave your mind unguarded, or you will not be able to help me. Miracle working entails a full realization of the power of thought in order to avoid miscreation. Otherwise, a miracle will be necessary to set the mind itself straight, a circular process that would not foster the time collapse for which the miracle was intended. The miracle worker must have genuine respect for true cause and effect as a necessary condition for the miracle to occur. So this is one of the things, is that we're not understanding cause and effect when we're looking at our brothers and sisters and seeing that they're making errors. When we're looking at someone else and thinking they're making an error, now it's time for us to correct ourselves. This is something we have to be able to take responsibility for. Now remember, we don't have to make the correction. Holy Spirit will do the auto-correction if we allow it. If we allow it. So this is, this is the great opportunity that we have to allow the healing to happen by means of the Holy Spirit. And life gets so much easier. And this is what I found. I found that the most detrimental thing I can do, really, to myself or to anyone else, is to look at anyone else and think that they need help, they've got a problem, something's wrong with them. This is the only real problem I have, is I believe that I have a problem. And the problem is separation, showing up as every other problem in my life. So every other problem in my life is separation showing up. Why not treat every problem the same? Every seeming problem is a belief in separation. If I treat it that way, how do I heal the belief in separation? It's very simple. I heal the belief in separation by giving all the work to the Holy Spirit. By willing, being willing to see only love, teach only love, know only love. If I'm looking at my brother or my sister or myself and thinking that mistakes have been made, something is bad, something is wrong, then I'm not allowing for the correction. I'm keeping the condemnation going. And so I'm keeping the sense of separation going. And that's the only problem I have. So it's going to keep showing up is more problems and more problems and more problems. So every time I'm faced with a problem, I can give it to the Holy Spirit for correction. I'm going to immediately start to experience fewer and fewer problems. Because all problems come from the same thought system. If I'm allowing my mind to be corrected, then I won't be in that loop of cause and effect where the cause of the problem is my thinking. The effect is the problem or the belief in the problem. So I can eliminate all of that 
simply by giving it to the Holy Spirit. And you see how this teaching, it just keeps saying the same thing over and over and over again. And that's the beauty of it. It's really not that complicated. People think A Course in Miracles is so complex, but it's just this simple. The only problem I have is that I perceive I have a problem. Anytime I perceive a problem, I can eliminate the root cause of all problems, which is my belief that I have a problem. So every time I perceive I have a problem, I can heal my whole life and everyone else's by simply allowing the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit is designed to do, and that is to eliminate all consequences, to eliminate all experience of problems. That just, that, doesn't that sound so much easier than trying to figure things out? But you see, the ego wants to be in charge. The ego wants to do it for itself. The ego wants all the power. And it wants to keep our full focus and attention. So we just keep seeing more problems and more problems and more problems and more problems and more problems. And then there's no end to it. We're suffering on and on and on. Later in this section on cause and effect, it says that readiness is the only prerequisite for accomplishment. Readiness is the only prerequisite for accomplishment. So we make our mind miracle ready. We make our mind ready by being loving. By really being in that partnership with the Holy Spirit. So that we're always ready. And anytime we feel irritated or frustrated or annoyed, we're not ready for the miracle. So readiness is the only prerequisite for accomplishment. And the only thing that can really be accomplished is for us to be miracle-minded, for us to be loving. That's the only thing that's effective. That's the only thing that's meaningful because it's the only thing that's real. So keeping our focus very, very simple is the way out of hell. And I just love that. I love it. And I tell you, I am just on fire. I, I always, uh, I love being able to teach the online classes, and I love the contrast of teaching in person. And uh, this week I did a lot of classes online and the workshops. And so it was just teaching, 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 which to me is just sharing, sharing, sharing. And I don't feel exhausted at all. I have realized truly, I'm experiencing it for real, that rest does not come from sleeping. It comes from waking. And of course, I, I got a full night's sleep every night, believe me. I, I, I go to sleep, I wake up when I'm done, I feel refreshed and renewed by the Spirit. And, oh, I just love God. I love it. I love these teachings so much because they're so healing, and they're not complicated. They're very simple. Yes, yes, yes. So I'd like to share with you some of the things that are coming up, some opportunities to join with me and to really do the deep work. So we have a Living a Course of Miracles retreat in October, and then the uh, forgive and be free retreat and these are opportunities to join together and do the deep healing work you can come to both one or both they're in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina at the Art of Living Retreat Center which is a gorgeous place for us to gather 
we're going to have spectacular fall foliage to look at. It's like a healing vortex up there. I just love it. I'll be returning there at the end of the year for my New Year's reboot retreat, right at the end of the year, the beginning of the new year. And then in November, I have uh, the Self-Love and Extreme Pampering Retreat. That's a week-long retreat. It's in Thailand. <laughs> Looking forward to that one. And then I also am doing my final spiritual counseling training intensive of the year. And I probably won't do another one until the spring. Um, I'm not sure when. Maybe in May. Uh I'm just not sure yet, but uh, I'm inviting you to come to Thailand for the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive. And then if you're inspired, stay for the Self-Love and Extreme Pampering Retreat. It's an opportunity for us to really dive super deep and get some great work done, and that's in November. So uh, I have many free classes, many uh, wonderful opportunities to go deeper Uh including the How to Get Over It that I mentioned. I'm on my way to Australia, so I'll be there. And uh, this weekend, uh, this week and weekend. And if you would like to make a donation to the ministry, we love it because that's what makes it possible for us to do so much and to help literally uh, support thousands of people around the world and deepening their spiritual practice. We love to be able to give away as much as we can and we're interested in giving away even more. So if you find that this radio show is helpful to you, won't you make any kind of a contribution? Uh, nothing too small. And you can do that at jenniferhadley.com on the donation page or you can do it at livingacourseofmiracles.com or powerofloveministry.net. And your tax-deductible contributions go to support also our transcription effort. We're transcribing the radio shows as I speak, and we're putting all that together to offer to you for free, for downloading, and for sharing. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude, so grateful and so thankful, to open our hearts and minds to the power and the presence of perfect love moving through us and as us. We're consciously laying all the errors on the altar and all the effects of all our errors on the altar. No mistakes have been made. We are grateful and thankful to give all the correction to the Holy Spirit, to let it be, to know it's done, and to say simply, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. Our healing is everyone's healing. All boats rise on this tide of love. And so it is. Amen. 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 I love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah!